As a church, we can um, use different words for mission, and we have different programs. We have different books. But really, it all comes down to one thing, that it's, it's God's mission. Our God is on mission. And our God will call us to be obedient and participate in his mission one way or another. And that mission will sometimes be lived out in our lives by serving, um, other times maybe proclaiming the gospel message as we're called to do as well, and other times praying. Our mission is lived out differently in different contexts. But it's always lived out. After church or often in our conversations, we might ask one another, oh, how'd your week go? What'd you do this week? Can you imagine saying, hey, I lived out my mission this week. We don't often say that, but we should be able to say that. One always can take part in mission. Being on mission, I mean, it can be a mission trip, but we're not talking about a mission trip. We're not talking about a program. We're not talking about an event. Mission is something that is just part of our everyday life. Mission is something who we are because we are made in God's image. And since our God is a God of mission, it would make sense that so are his people. Our God has been on mission from um, day one of creation. God spoke and things came into being. But then the once perfectly created world became broken and damaged on account of sin entering this world through one man, Adam. And God didn't stop his mission. Sin entered into the world and Adam and Eve realized that something bad had happened. But then we read in Genesis 3 verse 8 that the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So God was present. We said that our God is always present. He was present even when Humanity fell into sin. God was still on mission. And his mission was to reconcile the world to himself. And so God put a plan in place that involved his one and only son, and that involved each of us. And throughout the story of Scripture, we read stories of our God on mission. In fact, Scripture tells us the story of God, the Son, entering into the darkness and into the messiness of this world, of this broken and sinful world, and living among his people. God did mission among his people. This morning, as part of our commissioning service and our missional series kickoff, we're going to be focusing on John's version of Jesus commissioning the church, as we read it from John 20, 19-22. And again, keep in mind that the word commission has the two words co-mission. We're co-partners with God in mission. Now, full disclosure and transparency here. This is actually the third time that I've preached this passage here in Exeter. I guess God is trying to teach me and teach each of us more things from this passage. In fact, uh, this passage I actually preached on earlier this year, in 2019, January 13. So some of the things that you hear this morning, you're going to hear again, because you've heard them before. At least I hope so, because uh, the the passage doesn't change at all. God's word doesn't change. But how we apply it today, that may be somewhat differently. I was also reminded this week, again, that when it comes to communication, we need to hear things at least ten times. So you may hear this sermon seven more times yet. (laughs) 
So this morning we hear God's commission from the Gospel of John 20, 19 to 22. And just as we turn to that, whether it's on your uh, phones or, or uh, pew Bibles, as we turn to it, the context of this passage is that Jesus has just been crucified on Friday. And the disciples are fearing for their lives. They're grieving the loss of their friend. And so now we have this passage that's talking about the Sunday. The tomb is empty. Jesus has appeared to Mary Magdalene and, and says to go tell the disciples that he's alive. And so she runs to the disciples to share this miraculous news. And now we get to the story of later on that evening. So John 20, 19-22. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in the Gospel of John here, in John 20, the disciples were locked in their room, and I would say rightfully so. I mean, we mentioned some of the context of this passage, and we're taken back to that weekend that Jesus was crucified. And there was utter darkness, there was utter chaos. Prisoners who deserved punishment were released from jail. An innocent person who did not deserve punishment was tried and crucified. The disciples, who were followers of Jesus, were in the room that Sunday evening with the door locked for fear of the Jews. The disciples already heard the news that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. Mary Magdalene had told the disciples that she, in fact, had seen Jesus. But there still remained fear. Because at this point, Jesus was nowhere to be seen. They couldn't see, so they lacked the faith. And furthermore, what if others found out Jesus was missing and the disciples were blamed for stealing Jesus' body? Or perhaps going through the disciples' minds was that the Jewish people already had crucified one of their own on Friday afternoon. So what was going to stop them from killing more of Jesus' followers? Will the temple authorities eventually find them and and find out where the disciples are hiding and arrest them too? Were the disciples coming to the end of their life on this earth? So the disciples were afraid. They probably felt abandoned. A few years earlier, they had left everything to follow Jesus. And now, they were left without a leader. you got to understand, Jesus only walked this earth with these disciples for three years. I mean, we talk about three years often in ministries here. I don't know if that's where we get it from. But office bearers serve as deacons and elders for three years. Often in in ministries, people volunteer for three years. In the first year, you kind of figure things out. The second year, you kind of think, oh yeah, I kind of get it. And the third year, you're looking forward to being done. So you can see what these disciples may have been going through. And they were probably feeling somewhat hopeless. Things didn't seem to be going all that well this weekend. This is not the journey that the disciples signed up for. So, lock themselves up in the comfort of a room. Again, we need to cut them some slack. Because they were also mourning the loss of a close friend, of course but they were also sheltering themselves from the outside world. But the next thing that happens 
The next thing that takes place is another miracle. The doors are still locked, and Jesus stands among his disciples. The disciples had an encounter with their Lord and their Savior that Sunday evening. Jesus makes himself known to the disciples, and he is offering them his amazing grace. They're locked tight in this room. They're scared. They're not doing what they're called to do. And once again, Jesus offers them his grace. He offers them his blessing. He offers them ascending. And there's this phrase that comes from Jesus' mouth where he says, Peace be with you. And he said it again to the disciples. Peace be with you. Now, peace be with you was often a normal greeting among people in ancient Israel. And Jesus used it as that greeting. But he said it twice. And that's not normal. That's not an ordinary thing. Jesus meant it more than just a greeting. The last words the disciples heard from Jesus a couple days earlier was, it is finished. And now, these words of peace are being given to them. Jesus is giving them a a, a greeting. He's giving them a blessing, a blessing of peace. You know, we receive a blessing from the Lord at the end of our worship service as we prepare ourselves from going out from the church service to being the church throughout the week. So Jesus desires to give his people a blessing, and he does so with the words, peace be with you. And Jesus states in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, the peace I give you. And I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Fear prevents people from doing the things that need to be done. Fear is something of the world. And if Jesus had not showed up on this Sunday evening, the disciples probably would have continued to remain in fear, and they could have stayed locked in that upper room for a very long time. But Jesus shows up, and he offers his blessing of peace, and he offers his presence of peace. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And this is not something, this peace that I'm talking about, that scripture's talking about here, it's not some kind of world peace or even a freedom from anxiety. Jesus gives us a peace that passes understanding. As Paul states in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, it's beyond what we can even understand, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace we get is an inner peace. And it's not simply like an injection of peace upon you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope. It gives assurance. It gives us peace. You are given peace, but you have to receive the peace. Jesus' peace is offered to you, and you're to receive it. Now, it's not just a matter of sitting in your most comfortable lazy boy chair and receiving his limitless, unconditional, boundless peace upon you. This does not ignore the reality that God's people, that we have a responsibility. Jesus and his presence and his words to his disciples gave them peace. Jesus' presence today and his words today continue to give us peace. You need the faith that we're talking about because we can't always see what we want to. But in faith, we're told that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. 
Jesus promises to be with us through all times, even after he ascended into heaven by sending the Holy Spirit of Jesus upon his people. So as his people, we intentionally need to learn more and more about our our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through the scriptures. Intentionally, we need to talk more and more. We have to have conversations with Jesus. When things in life don't go according to your plan, when things in, in the church don't go according to your plan, you can still have peace. Because peace is not the absence of conflict or even the absence of anxiety. Peace is knowing that God is present, that God is in control, that he is right there with you. And he gives you hope. He gives you peace. He blesses you with peace. As we said, the disciples could have remained locked in their room. But Jesus didn't allow for that. He entered that room. And he offered them his blessing of peace. That only he can give them. And the disciples received that peace. They received the peace of their risen Lord and Savior. Brothers and sisters, you have been offered that peace. Receive his peace upon you. This encounter with Jesus gave the disciples peace. But Jesus did more than that. He also commissioned them. He sent them out. He said to them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You see, again, we have a God who is ascending God. Our Father sent his one and only Son, Jesus, to this earth. And Jesus was sent to this earth on a sacrificial mission. The Father sent Jesus to seek and to save the lost. The Father didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Father sent Jesus to extend peace and grace to his people. He came to be in relationship with his people. Jesus died so that we do not have to die an eternal death. He rose from the dead so that we too one day will rise. So Jesus concludes his statement saying, that just as he was sent by the Father, we too are the sent ones. As a church, we are sent out. Of course, he he calls us together. He calls us to gather as his people. But I want to say it's not our mission to fill pews because we're the sent ones and church is out there probably more than it is in here. We are to continue the mission of our sent-out Savior and be obedient in being the sent-out ones. And Lord, willing on account of our obedience, the pews will fill on their own. People of God, we have Christ's blessing of peace. And we have his sending upon us. And we claim to be a follower of Jesus. It is automatic that we claim to be sent. And we are sent out to do mission. Perhaps that mission begins right here in your own pew. Of course, church is our training ground. The mission then extends to creating relationships with others in our family, in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors. And I'm not going to say that mission is going to be easy because it is going to be messy. It's going to be uncomfortable It's going to lead us into situations that sometimes we just have to stand back and say, I don't know what to do. I don't have the answer. 
And it's okay not to have the answer. And it's okay not to quickly change our policy to think that we do have the answer. There's going to be challenges. And when there's challenges, we often see losses. And people, God, it's good to grieve the losses. Of course, we, we, there's things we lose when we see challenges, when we do mission. And it's good to grieve the losses. But it's not good to leave on account of the losses. We need to trust God. That God, through his spirit, will also provide us gains. And the losses sometimes may be, be, be more evident because sometimes that's what we see. And so we again have to have faith and trust in God for the many blessings. Because sometimes those blessings are things we don't see. And Satan's going to use the things that we do see and things that make us comfortable to distract us from the blessings that we don't see. We're called by God to be in relationship with his people. We're not created to be alone. The sending that the disciples were given, the sending that we are given, is a cue for relationship building. And relationships are a good gift from God to us. Let me digress a moment. Actually, let's be real. Let me digress again. There are likely ten disciples in this room. Judas is dead. And later it's noted, we didn't read it, but later it's noted that Thomas is missing. Because Thomas is missing, he missed the opportunity that evening to see and experience the risen Lord and Savior. He missed the opportunity to receive the blessing and sending. Now, we also know a little bit about Thomas, and he's referred to often as Doubting Thomas. And so, what does he do? He decides to remove himself from the group. He decides to figure that maybe he can just deal with things on his own, and he's not with the others. You see, when you decide to isolate yourselves and remove yourselves from the body, things do not get better. We need fellowship. So today we begin small groups of all ages, various ministries in the church. We have Sunday morning worship services. And whether you are doubting or whether you are strong in your faith, we need each other. We need the church and others need the church. And when folks profess their faith, we welcome folks into the joys of the church, but also the sufferings, the challenges, the messiness that the church brings. As Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 states, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So don't be a Thomas. We need fellowship. We need the church. We need each other. As stated in verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And Jesus sends us out with his authority. And he commissions us to extend his grace and his peace to others in his kingdom. And we extend his grace and peace to those in the church Remember, Jesus came to seek and to save. He, ex- he came to extend his grace. He didn't come to condemn. We extend his grace and peace to those in the church. We extend the grace and peace to those in the community. We extend the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ to all our brothers and sisters. We are sent to reveal the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, to reflect the grace and peace 
of our Lord Jesus to others. And we reflect by living out and sharing the gospel of Jesus with one another and with others. So finally, it's impossible for anybody to do mission work on his her, or her own. Because it's part of our who we are. It's not an event, it's not a program, it's not a trip. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to receive his peace. We need to be sent out, which we are. And we need to receive his Holy Spirit. We do God's mission and our people of mission through the power of Jesus. Jesus equips us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus empowers his people. We don't have special powers. We don't have these extra human powers or superhero powers. It's his power at work in us. So if you're restoring relationships or you're creating relationships, you need the Holy Spirit. And you do this work through the power of Jesus. Jesus equips you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He empowers his people. Because the gospel's not about you or me. The gospel's bigger than that. The gospel is all about God and what he has done through his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, the gospel involves you, but it's all about God. And Jesus invites us to join him in his mission, in the spreading of his gospel. So again, I think this is kind of neat up here, what the visual arts has done, because it reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ. But our partnership, the new beginning we have with programs and responding to God's grace. Congregation, we come to worship each week. We're to gather together throughout the week. And when we do, we go with our God. And we will be blessed by God. And we will be sent out by God. Again, your mission is not to save anybody. Your mission is not even to save the church or this church. We can leave that up to God. Our mission is to be obedient. Our mission is to glorify God by worshiping him and glorify God by being on mission for God and with God so that others too will come and glorify our God together. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, God, for your spirit, for your power, for your grace, your amazing grace. Thank you for sending your son to this earth to seek and to save the lost. And thank you that you entrust us to co-partner with your son and with you, representing Jesus on this earth and being sent out as your servants and as your partners on your mission. Bless us as we are sent out in your name and power and equip us through your spirit. Open up doors of opportunity as we strive to be obedient to you and to go out in faith, sharing the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.